Hello, and welcome to Data Kerfuffle, uh, an unauthorized fan-made contribution to the larger universe of the podcast Knowledge Fight. I am Anna, a cantankerous pedantic know-it-all, and this is fellow traveler Tom, who I have duped into puzzled participation. Say hello, Tom. Hi. We're a couple of nerds who like to sit around and talk about how better podcasters talk about Alex Jones. When the knowledge fight went on a brief and well-earned hiatus, I thought, hey, I should make something of my own to fill the time. And then that turned out to be really inconvenient timing. So I put it off and I didn't. And then I thought of it again later and I could, when it could make no difference. And uh, here we are. So uh, being a much less cool broadcaster than Dan, I have managed to create a weak-ass solution to audio clip recapture that I hope won't ruin your ears. But a lot of the audio I'm working with is weak sauce to begin with. So uh, here's hoping everything turns out fantastic. I don't have any walks of my own to thank, so I'm going to thank the great enterprise of pet photo threads in general, where all the adorableness of the universe is condensed for our delighted consumption. To start us off, here is an out-of-context drop from my subject matter today. Gravity is one of the controlling uh, parameters in that equation to determine whether you're going to have a maximal experience of your kundalini energy through your antenna. If you're not integrating gravity, you don't get all the way there. Well, uh, well, well, what's the problem there? I don't. I don't. I'm on board so far. With your gravity and Kundalini energy gang, it's so it's Carrie Cassowary and her alien cuckoos today on Project Camelot. Um, rather than do the truly difficult work of directly addressing Alex Jones and what's going on right now, as I do not want to step on the toes of our beloved leader, I've decided to approach my own line of questioning that isn't remotely important at all. What's with all the aliens? Who are all those guys? My mom went through a pretty alien intensive period in her life where we met and hung out with a lot of people who knew aliens and spoke to them and did automatic writing for them and stuff like that. So I come into this with a, a fair amount of my own grounding on the subject, which hopefully will allow me to dig through some of this nonsense and answer some important questions about the least useful subject imaginable. Uh, to help my guest Tom out, I'm going to explain a little bit about Carrie Cassidy here real fast. She has a popular website where she promotes belief in most kinds of magic, as well as a secret space program run by the government and lots of aliens. Uh, she interviews whistleblowers who tell her exciting stories about fighting on Mars and subterranean Nazi strongholds under the Getty Museum and all of the best things. So she's a powerful figure in the UFO circles and is also an anti-Semitic lunatic white nationalist on the side, which does tend to leach some of the fun out of it from time to time, but probably not today, right? <laughs> anyway, for today's subject, Tom, what do you know about aliens? Well, I know that when James Cameron first pitched aliens, um, he wrote on a sign the word alien, and then for the S, he wrote a money sign. <laughs> or so the legend goes. I don't know. We'll have to dig deep. Um what do I know about... I don't know any, like... I'm pretty new to, like, the idea of diving into um, the supposed, like, area where people have, like, very, like, I guess, detailed and concrete, I'm assuming, sort of, like, uh, descriptions and, like, what these aliens do. Sure. Um, sure. And you, you served in the military? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I sure did. You and probably wouldn't guess by the how I'm talking and my interests, but yeah. Yeah, the, no, the uh, <laughs> with your with your time in the military, did you ever uh, encounter raptors or alien commanders, or um, did you ever have your memory wiped to 
provide for keeping the secrecy of the secret space program? Neither confirm nor deny that I was involved in the in in, in, in any of this secret space program. Though, if you would like to know more, um, you know, um, I believe uh, the the recent XCOM games are actually fairly accurate. I'm surprised they've uh, gotten away with it. What's um, it? <laughs> um, XCOM Enemy Unknown, XCOM Two. Um, not XCOM, the bureau, not the bureau declassified one. That one sucks. But the XCOM games are a fairly accurate representation of your daily what you know your uh, your daily service member goes through. Everything else is just a cover up. <laughs> right. uh, have you heard of any different races of aliens or anything? Like you've heard people talking about different kinds of alien. Once again, I can neither confirm nor deny, but if you would like more information, please buy XCOM. <laughs> well, um, I know that Dan has been gradually accumulating and curating information about all the different kinds of aliens mm-hmm. out there. So we've seen reptilians, reptoids, greys, Anunnaki, uh-huh. Nordics, mm-hmm. Pleiadians, spider beings, mantis beings. It sounds like the character selection sheet when you first boot up Skyrim. Right, right. Something about moles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a hyper-intelligent pudding. Uh, self-aware spacecraft who should get their own category. Uh, the six AIs that rule the planet and more. Uh, so I thought I'd try to drill down and better understand just one of those that Carrie mentions a lot. Are, are these just like failed science fiction authors? Is, is, that's what this sounds like. There, there's a lot that, that goes into it. It's, uh-huh. it's tough to tell, but it's my hope that we can, we can get there. Um, She's really into the Anunnaki, though, as a that's a recurring feature in a lot of her narratives. And uh, in, in Anunnaki, Anunnaki, okay. yeah. So in April, uh, April twenty third, two thousand sixteen, Carrie interviews Gerald Clark, author of a dumb book about aliens. But I will let her introduce it. Uh, beware of violating very simple rules about your attention span. This clip is a bit long. Hi everyone, this is Carrie Cassidy from Project okay. Camelot, and tonight we have a very interesting guest, uh, Gerald Clark, and he is the author of The Anunnaki from Nibiru, or of Nibiru, and uh, he's also written some other books, and I'm going to give him a short introduction, and then we'll be uh, introducing, you know, get, get him on the screen and, and so on. So. Bear with me here, and uh, I'll just read a a short introduction. So, uh, Gerald Clark is the author of The Anunnaki of Nibiru. He's compiled an excellent overview of the evidence and cross-correlated much of the symbolism and ancient texts to support a more wide-ranging view of the role of the Anunnaki in our history. And from his site and regarding his book, uh, he writes... Many historical and scriptural findings not included in the canonical Bible have now come to light. Access to texts such as the Lost Book of Enoch, the Nag Hammadi Gospels, and the Book of Jubilees, among others, is now widely available and when synthesized and correlated with existing documents like the Bible and the Quran, merits rethinking Western civilization's origins and intent. Prepare yourself for a profound belief-changing journey through ancient Persia, Sumer, uh, Greece, Atlantis, and Rome 
to the United States, uh, headquarters of the New Atlantis. This book is not like any other in the field. Uh, expect the winged warrior aerial perspective of an army attack helicopter pilot, the BS filter of an electrical engineer, a Western medicine challenging structural integrator, and a Southern California didgeridoo player, all in the same time and in the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Energy and matter, sound entrainment, slave control design methods using electromagnetic spectrum, eternal life, gravity, and DMT are addressed herein. And that is uh, Gerald Clark's introduction. <laughs> and uh, a very good one, really. It is. Uh, so <laughs> let, me, uh, let me welcome you, Gerald, and you should turn on your camera at this point. So that we can bring you on the screen. Okay, how's there you that? Are. Okay, say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. I want to wish all of the Prairie's listeners a warm welcome and thank you so much for the kind introduction. <laughs> he thanked her very kindly because she read his own intro off of his own website. It's so very nice kind. that uh, Professor in Exile Brett Weinstein has found some found some work after his, uh, you know, after uh, you know, being a racist. <laughs> this, this guy. So you, there was a lot in there. There's a lot to to process. Um, uh, Gerald Clark is a consistent enough guest on Coast to Coast AM that he has got a much shorter bio over there, and here are the basics. He is a uh, former engineer who got really into a particular brand of wacky massage that made him one with the universe. And now he wants to overthrow religion as we know it by being an amateur theology synthesizer, and also it's aliens all the way down. So... He spends like the next 20 minutes talking about structural integration uh, and being a telecom guy who knew nothing at all about history, but always thought it sounded fishy. Uh, in Turkey around 2000, he started realizing how dumb he was. And instead of reading actual history, he started reading all that Pezzy rubbish and alien conspiracy alt-right stuff we've heard about a thousand times. Um, Pez is Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Uh, so that's the uh, Russian propaganda document to... Uh, oh. Have you, have you ever heard of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? No, but that was my second guess as to what that meant. Yeah, My oh, first good. was the candy. Oh, Pez. right. Yes, right. Pezzy rubbish. So um, this, uh, this prepared him to do some really in-depth research by contemplating his belly button and taking pictures of people's auras with machines because science. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh -huh. Right. So he sounds really solid here. So yeah. Far. Yeah. Definitely an expert in the field of human history on the basis of not one of knowing that he didn't know human history. Nice. Um, not, not bad. You know, right. um, good Brazilians, I admire that. Right. Right. So the book they're talking about today, theoretically is called, uh, Anunnaki of Nibiru. And, I was hoping that this would help me better understand the Anunnaki and how Carrie feels about them, and I'm not sure. But it was very long and very boring and very stupid, so there's that at least. Uh, he goes on and, and on talking about structural integration, which is very boring, but includes some exciting wiki work and foolishness if you're interested in looking more into that. Are you interested in structural integration? Uh, um it's, no, no but but please please <laughs> right. keep going um, right. <laughs> it's, 
my timeshare ref. All right. It's also known as Rolfing. Rolfing? <laughs> Rolfing. Rolfing. So a person named Ida Rolf uh, made up a thing about connective tissue and gravity and uh, muddled it up with massage and the worst parts of chiropractic therapy. And uh, it'll change your life. You will never be the same. Everyone in the world desperately needs the help it provides. But you can only learn it from a trained professional who you have to give money to. Uh, Ta-da! Mm-hmm. Uh, this this Gerald Clark know. guy, uh, he has his own private practice uh, yeah. uh, dishing this woo. And boy, is that not what Carrie signed up for when she's trying to interview this guy. He's Yeah, he's talked about structural integration forever. Structural? This is his, like, is this his signature? Okay, so in, in terms of uh, what you're what your book is about because i want to make this transition <laughs> to like talk to about the book because talk about something else are not going to understand how you integrated literally uh <laughs> your theory about the structural integration into a concept of how the anunnaki affected hum- human humanity's Super growth and, uh, and physicality and also ends up production. with uh, mind control and so on so right. kind of go down that road Sure. Well, I told I've told the story of the Anunnaki Genesis many, many times. But in order to answer your question, I'm going to focus in on the the primitive workers' perspective of how we would have been designed such that they could control us. Because you have to remember, in the Atrahasis account, one of the key documents that I used this in my first book, and everybody should read that one. If, if you get nothing else out of this interview. Please read the Atrahasis yourself. It's not that long. Uh, so uh, where can I buy this book? The, oh, well, I did. Uh, well, you bought even, it. I didn't have to because oh, the epic of Atrahasis, uh-huh. which is going to blow your mind, okay. change your entire universe. Okay. Um, you can find all about it on Wikipedia, and I uh-huh. then there are lots of websites that have the entire thing on it. So I so I have a copy of it. But, okay, great. Uh, so this is uh, one of the bits of ancient Mesopotamian stuff that we've managed to actually see several times and have lots of pieces of it, which is useful and great for archaeology and probably reflects a widely held mythos from that time period, which is really neat. Uh, the most complete version of the story is at a museum in London on like eleven stone tablets or something. Uh, eleven stone. Does it have to be like a number, like eleven? Like no, no. It's just those are the parts they have. Uh, oh, those are the parts they have. Yeah, okay. and they have mo- they have most of it. They have a lot there. So mm-hmm. there's more information to be had if you want to dig up stuff about the atrahesis. So I will link that in the about part of this thing. However, that works. So it's actually pretty short. We can do it together. Do you want to try and read the epic of atrahesis a little? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, It'll change our lives. Yeah. Well, you know, it's about time. All right. So I've really been looking forward to something that would change my life. And if this will do it, then I'll take it. All right. All right. So we'll see. We'll see how far we get. It isn't very long, but it is kind of dense. So uh, we start out here. Um, there's a little introduction that it is the fullest Mesopotamian account of the Great Flood with Atrahesis in the role of Noah, uh-huh. uh, written in the 17th century BCE. The text is known from several versions. Two were written by Assyrian scribes, one in Assyrian and one in Babylonian. A third one on three tablets was written during the reign of King Ami Saduka of Babylonia, 1647 to 1626 BCE. Parts are quoted in Tablet 11 of the Epic of Gilgamesh. Other influences are in the Babylonian history of Berossus, 
These texts can be used to reconstruct the lost parts of the Epic of Atrahesis, while the overall structure is, of course, known from the Bible. So, um... All right, I'm ready. All right, here we go. First part, complaint of the lower gods. When the gods were man, they did forced labor. They bore drudgery. Great indeed was the drudgery of the gods. The forced labor was heavy, the misery too much. The seven great Anuna gods uh, 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 were burdening the Igigi gods with forced labor. So we got two ranks of gods going on. Okay, there's a specter haunting. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the gods were digging water courses, canals they opened in the life of the land. The Igigi gods were digging water courses, canals they opened the life of the land. The Igigi gods dug the Tigris River and the Euphrates thereafter. Springs they opened from the depths, wells they established. They heaped up all the mountains. Several lines are missing here. Years of drudgery. Um, we're missing the vast marsh. They counted years of drudgery and 40 years, that number there, yeah, 40 years, 40 too years. much okay. forced labor they bore day and night. They were complaining, denouncing, muttering down in the ditch. Let us face up to our foreman, the prefect. He must take off our heavy burden upon us. Enlil, counselor of the gods, the warrior, come, let us remove him from his dwelling. Enlil, Counselor of the gods, the warrior, come, let us remove him from his dwelling. They say again, several lines missing. Now, them, call for battle. Battle, let us join. Warfare. The gods heard his words. They set fire to their tools. They put fire to their spaces and flame to their work baskets. Off they went, one and all, to the gate of the warrior and Lil's abode. Uh. Uh, insurrection of the lower gods is the okay. next little section here. Right. It was night. Halfway through the watch, the house was surrounded, but the god did not know. It was night. Halfway through the watch, Acre was surrounded, but Enlil did not know. Acre, I think, is uh, is his home, That's like his home or city. And it's in uh, where? Where is Acre? Uh, be in Mesopotamia somewhere. Mesopotamia. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, well, it should be anyway. It should uh, be. Nusku opened his gate. And uh-huh. took his weapons and went to Enlil. In the assembly of all the gods, he knelt, stood up, expounded the command. Anu, your father, your counselor, the warrior Enlil, your prefect Ninurta, and your bailiff Enugi have sent me to say, Who is the instigator of this battle? Who is the instigator of these hostilities? Who declared war that the battle has run up to the gate of Enlil? In something, something. He transgressed the command of Enlil. Then the reply by the lower gods. Every one of us gods has declared war. We have set on the excavation. Excessive drudgery has killed us. Our forced labor was heavy. The misery, too much. Now every one of us gods has resolved on a reckoning with Enlil. The great gods decide to create man to relieve the lower gods from their misery. Here. I think that... Uh, that... <laughs> the great gods decide to create man. That's that's all we get. Uh, so just not even a full sentence, just half a half a half of one. <laughs> Proposals by Ia, Belat, Ilya, and Enki here. So Ia made ready to speak and said to the gods, his brothers, "What calumny do we lay to their charge? Their forced labor was heavy. Their misery too much. Every day the outcry was loud. We could hear the clamor. There is Belat, Ilya, the midwife, in present." Let her create, then, a human, a man. Let him bear the yoke. Let him bear the yoke. Let man assume the drudgery of the god. 
Belit Ely, the midwife, is present. Let the midwife create a human being and let man assume the drudgery of the god. They summoned and asked the goddess, the midwife of the gods, wise Mami, Will you birth goddess, creatress of mankind? Create a human being that he bear the yoke and let him bear the yoke, the task of Enlil. Let man assume the drudgery of the god. Nintu made ready to speak and said to the great gods, It is not for me to do it. The task is Enki's. He it is that cleanses all. Let him provide me the clay so I can do the making. Enki made ready to speak and said to the great gods, On the first, seventh, and fifteenth days of the month, let me establish a purification, a bath. Let one god be slaughtered, then let the gods be cleansed by immersion. Let Nintu mix the clay with his flesh and blood, and let that same god and man be thoroughly mixed in the clay. And let us hear the drum for the rest of time, for the flesh of the god let a spirit remain, and let it make the living know its sign, lest he be allowed to be forgotten, and let the spirit remain. The great, Ananu, the great Anuna gods, who administer destinies, answered yes in the assembly. So that's a that's an important part right there. All of it, yeah. or wait, just, Which is the that, part you just read this last little bit here, this where he's like, he's like mixing clay and uh-huh. blood together, and like turning uh, part god and dirt into a into a person. Into a person. Okay, that so, that tracks so far. All right, right. now right. So now I know. People okay. are made out of out of mud and god. It's or just, old gods, right? Well, Ye gods. Yeah, I knew that. They have to feel kill that on the inside. And sure. Made, made a clay. And... Well, on the first, seventh, and fifteenth days of the month, he established a purification, a bath, and they slaughtered Al Ilu, who had the inspiration in their assembly. This is something that's actually kind of like, as an aside, like the sacrificial death of a god, of mm-hmm. a lesser god, right. to aid mankind or mm-hmm. something. So, Nintu mixed clay with his flesh and blood, and that same god and man were thoroughly mixed in the clay. For the rest of the time, they would hear the drum from the flesh of the god that the spirit remained. It would make the living know its sign. Lest he be allowed to be forgotten, the spirit remained. After she'd mixed the clay, she summoned the Anuna, the great gods. The Igigi, the great gods, sat upon the clay. Mami made ready to speak and said to the great gods, You ordered me the task, and I have completed it. You have slaughtered the god along with his inspiration. I've done away with your heavy forced labor. I've imposed your drudgery on man. You've bestowed clamor on man, upon mankind. I released the yoke. I have made restoration. They heard this speech of hers, and they ran, free of care, and kissed her feet, saying, Formerly we used to call me Mami, but now let your name be Belet Kala Ili. Uh, then there's a note here that says, The human population increases, and their noise disturbs the gods, who decide to wipe out mankind, because they are loud and noisy. Well, I mean. the god Enki, <laughs> the god Enki, however, sends a dream to Atrahasis. When the text resumes, Enki is still speaking. So Enki explains Atrahasis's dream. These or, notes are things that are missing from the tablets that they have, but that they reconstruct from other Babylonian sources. Oh, so, okay. okay, all right. This so a... Enlil committed an evil deed against the people. Atrahasis made ready to speak and said to his lord, "Make me know the meaning of the dream. Let me know that I may look out for its consequence." Enki made ready to speak and said to his servant, You might say, am I to be looking out while in the bedroom? Uh, Do you pay attention to the message that I speak for your wall? Listen to me. Read wall. Pay attention to all my words. Flee the house. Build a boat. Forsake possessions and save life. The boat which you build be equal. Uh, Something, something missing, missing. Uh, Roof over her like a depth so that the sun shall not see inside her. Let her be roofed over fore and aft. The gear should be very strong. The pitch should be very firm, so give the boat strength. 
I will shower down upon you a windfall of birds, a spate of fishes. He opened the water clock and filled it. He told it of the coming of a seven-day deluge. So, guy says, uh, God says to a man, he says, hey, go build a boat. Because the people are loud and the gods need to kill all the people with a flood. This sounds a lot like another story. I can't, put, it, I can't put my right. tongue on it, there's something. There's something there, right? Something similar. I, I don't know. I'll have to go back and check. So Atrahesis received the command. He assembled the elders at his gate. Atrahesis made ready to speak and said to the elders, My god does not agree with your god. Enki and Enlil are constantly angry with each other. They've expelled me from the land. Since I have always reverenced Enki, he told me this. I cannot live in something, something, something. Nor can I set my feet on the earth of Enlil. I will dwell with my god in the depths. This he told me. Uh, the elders, uh, the carpenter carried his axe, the reed worker carried his stone, the rich man carried the pitch, the poor man brought the materials l- needed. There's a, here a note for a lacuna of about 15 lines. The word atrahesis can be discerned in that section. And then uh, okay. boarding the ark, we have bringing something, whatever he had, whatever he had, pure animals he slaughtered, cattle, fat animals he killed, sheep he chose and brought on board. The birds flying in the heavens, the cattle and the something of the cattle god, the creatures of the steppe, he brought on board. He invited his people to a feast. His family was brought on board. While one was eating, on another was drinking. He went in and out. He could not sit. He could not kneel, for his heart was broken, and he was retching gall. So it sounds like he's kind of upset about this all of humanity is going to die thing. Um, um, Understandable. To be upset about that, I think. Um, not totally unjust. Mm. He needs more Ligotti in his life. You know, <laughs> build a case for uh, the... It's just the wiping out all of uh, humanity. Sure. So, then there's <sighs> a storm. Um, something were yoked. Amzu rent the sky with his talons. He something the land and broke it clamor like a pot. Something, something, the flood came forth. Its power came upon the peoples like a battle. One person did not see another. They could not recognize each other in the catastrophe. The deluge bellowed like a bull. The wind resounded like a screaming eagle. The darkness was dense. The sun was gone. Something, something, like flies. The clamor of the deluge. Uh, Note, uh, Lacuna, the gods find themselves hungry because there are no farmers left and sacrifices are no longer brought. When they discover that Atrahesis has survived, they make a plan to make sure that the noise will remain within limits. So they invent childbirth, infant mortality, and celibacy. Because those ideas will help keep there from being too many humans, and if there are too many humans. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing there, of course, is the seeds of uh, the idea of like killing children on purpose and, uh, and uh, population control. Because too many people were too loud, right? I see. Okay. okay. So. Um, and this is... Uh... And so from from this, they figured out that this was them telling us that there were aliens. Aliens had to do well. The the Anu the Ananu gods. The Ananu. Uh, oh, we've got a little bit left, just okay. a tiny bit left. So right. Enki made ready to speak and uh-huh. said to Nintu, the birth goddess, "You, birth goddess, creatress of destinies, establish death for all peoples." Now then, let there be a third woman among the people. Among the people are the woman who has born and the woman who has not born. Let there also be among the people the Pasitu, or she-demon. Let her snatch the baby from the lap who bore it and establish high priestesses and priestesses. Let them be taboo and so 
cut down childbirth. So make sure that some of the ladies uh, don't fuck. Uh, that way, there oh, will good. be... Oh, good. We can swear. I was going to ask. Oh, yeah. No, that's fine. You can swear. I deliberately avoided swearing early, but I... Mm-hmm. You know, okay. So anyway, there we have... We have the entire... Uh, Epic of Atrahesis. That's what the universe has to offer us in this in this sense. So, uh, do you is your life transformed? <clears throat> um, I, I'm confused. What 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 about it has to do with like aliens? Because right now I can't tell the difference between uh, uh, supernatural, uh, like a supernatural like divine presence that somehow has agency, and aliens. They they seem to be one and the same. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm struggling to see how my life has transformed after, uh, after listening to that. What if I told you that the Ananu gods uh-huh. are, uh, something else called Anunnaki and they are aliens and they were here and then they invented humans. Okay. See that I can roll with. All right. right. So. so if we have that as a precondition, then the yeah. whole thing is like super sensible but you know this guy he might have slightly different takeaways from it than mm-hmm. than we did so uh we can check out uh what he has to say yeah i god I, that 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 uh, i think we found awesome. out that the Anunnaki- i'm gonna go ahead and back that up just a bit here we go so uh here's uh clark clark gerald clark i think that's what we're gonna, he's gonna tell us what he got from gerald this. clark maybe uh, we found out that the Anunnaki were here. They had a mission to get some resources from the Earth to protect their planet. And I won't go into all of, all of those details. I want to focus on your question about what did they do to us such that they could control us. And you have to recall in that Dr. Hayes' account, they had a GG miners, these miners that they brought with them, and had ended up putting them in the mines to work in South Africa. And after a very long time, it turned out to be a shower in the first tablet of the Atrahasis. They revolted. And long story short, the Anunnaki who had a, had a presence there had a council meeting to decide what to do about that. And, and this council meeting probably was very important in establishing what the constraints were for the replacement workers in terms of how would you control them so we don't have this happen again, right? This is, this is the government's basic problem right now is how do you keep the people at bay so they don't rise up and they're out in the streets, you know? Okay, so um, South uh, Africa, South Africa. So they, so the Anunnaki, the gods, are essentially what CEOs, right? And right. some restraints, <clears throat> some restrictions, regulations were put forth on on their planet, uh-huh. and uh, came over here where um, things like like uh, government uh, stuff like that hadn't gotten developed to the point where you know, establishing like a sort of almost feudalistic sort of like way, would you call it fascistic? I'd even say of like controlling like labor so that, so they could come here and, um, and yeah, and they brought, they brought their, their working class, their, their Ajiji with them. Right. Cause class, con- class consciousness probably had not been invented yet. So, right. um, right. So they took advantage So very smart, very smart. I admire that. Yeah. Real go-getters. Yeah. Uh, so then Boot they had to... weren't invented either, so they couldn't pull themselves up. So, yes, yeah. right. And then when they had to make humans, well, um, it's obvious. It's mm-hmm. obvious from the text that we read that mm-hmm. that something they don't mention at all in the tablets once ever, but that must have been the case because, of course, 
is that they would have had to devise some way to mind control the humans right. uh, in order to make sure that they don't rise up. And it's not like there's a whole other section of the epic devoted to controlling humanity in a different way or anything like that. But <laughs> no, that that part's just to throw you off. All right, right, right. Be, I, I guess. Okay, I get it now. Well, there are more parts to it. There's there's lots of things going on. Everybody's everybody's real bad. But there but, is an important question that we apparently have to answer, according to this guy. Okay. So uh, let me get this. But I also went to the place and said, okay, if they made us, why did they choose meat over tools? Why did they, you know, what could they have done with us through the electromagnetic spectrum when they crafted us such that they could control us, right? And this, my electrical engineering background, this is the part that kept jumping up at me. I'm like, well, what about entrainment? What about the reticular activating system, these primitive organs that are in our brain that clearly could be susceptible to any kind of electromagnetic spectrum, especially if it falls within the brainwave region. And then your chakras as well. Each one of those is a different wavelength and frequency. <laughs> I named that clip Baseless Assertions, uh, clip 04. Um, how, come they never, how come they haven't come back yet? They, they do all the time. Oh, they do all yeah, the all time. All the time. Oh. I mean, you probably remember that from your service time um but it's his engi- confirm his, his, his engineering background you see mm-hmm. and so that goes on and on again for quite some time without telling uh-huh. us any more about the anunnaki so he goes on a lot about how we can hear aliens and they can control us therefore uh-huh. we are receivers and they can read our emotions without from orbit therefore we are transmitters. So you see how this wonderful, powerful logic works? Uh, since we know that we can hear aliens for sure, that means we are receivers. Since we know for sure that they can control us from orbit, that makes us transmitters. Okay. What's an example of a time in my life, or maybe or yours, because you're probably more... Like, when, when, like what, what does that sound like, this sound of the, of the aliens? Uh, uh, aliens? Alien um, sound? What's, what's, a, what's an alien sound? Uh... uh so you XCOM know, is clearly not working, so I'm I'm not sure what it would sound like to be controlled by an alien, but maybe uh-huh. that maybe I'm not awakened to my Kundalini energy Dude. sufficiently to uh to really reach down and, and hear them or, or something. Do do they give the, does Gerald Clark give an example? He does oh. not. Oh he doesn't. No. Oh okay. Uh, his only evidentiary basis for this is that human brains create waves detectable on the electromagnetic spectrum. That's like it that's the only thing he's got uh so see yeah he, but it's okay he has a degree in electrical engineering right so you see how easy his logic is thank goodness yes he isn't <coughs> yes thank god so he can even tell us all about how our dna proves everything he will definitely explain later so okay all right so uh so we've been starting to manifest superpowers like remote viewing and telepathy and psychic banana sandwiches and so on so with what is the deal what is the deal with us breaking through since as he's already proven earlier since we we were obviously designed by an outside force to not be able to do those things because we're supposed to be slaves who mind gold like how is it that that we are breaking through the control that he definitely proved had to be in place on the basis of the epic of atrahesis which we read this is some weak ass gods i gotta say yeah like, if we could break through and not realize it right um go humanity never mind we don't deserve to be wiped out yeah we're pretty cool we're like awesome you, you gotta flood us like we just killed we didn't yeah we didn't need we didn't need guns we didn't need violence 
So he's going to tell you about I think, DNA. I don't know. How'd we do it? <laughs> he's going to tell you about your DNA, though. Okay. So. And it's showing up. So you have to ask yourself, was it always there? Has it been clamped? And was now it we always there? The DNA has clearly been clamped. We call 95% of it junk, which That's is not, not true. Not true. Correct. You know, people like William Brown have been looking at the different uh, link polymers where the splicing took place, and so did Lloyd Pye as well, uh, knowing that... There wasn't an evolution. There was an intervention. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, making us sound like the X-Men. All right. So, so um, here's, a, here's a theory. It goes like this. All right. I don't understand 99% of what my dog is talking about. Okay? Okay. Therefore, the language of dogs is, number one, a purposeful and sophisticated system demonstrating deliberate authorship. Because I don't understand Right. Right. Number two, it is definitely being concealed from humanity by a conspiracy. What the dog is saying here. And number three, it is irrefutable proof of every uneducated assertion I wish to make about what dogs say. Th- this is this is his. No, that's mine. This oh, is my yours. version of his. Oh. He's talking about DNA. He's like ninety five percent of it. They call oh, it junk, okay. but blah. So. Um, junk DNA is not a real thing, but there is a lot of like ill understood and funny things that are exciting and happening in DNA. And you've probably encountered that in some of your science courses and stuff, but it's, it's not junk. It's just, um, a lot of it isn't directly related to our development. It's instead related to what DNA is doing on its own. And then those margins are really interesting and fascinating in a field of ongoing study. It's fantastic. I see. Okay. Um, but people like to say, oh, they call it junk, but really it's whatever I want. And the whatever I want in this case is all of this stuff about clamping our potential. Mm-hmm. So we are antenna. And you can tell because I had a good long think about it while hugging a hookah. So that's great. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, what other bullshit can you drag into your utter inability to answer my burning questions, Gerald? Maybe you can tell me why so many there are so many psychics nowadays. Aside from selection and survivorship biases, how about how about that, Gerald? And this was where I started noticing the connection between the human antenna, the electromagnetic spectrum, and our, I don't know, wobble cycles of our solar system through the galactic center that happens every, every great year, every 26,000 years approximately. And it just so happens we're entering that. So I'm like, wow, are our antennas going to be getting lit up by these latent circuits that were left for us so that we start progressively waking up <laughs> um i'm gonna i'm gonna be a good researcher and use wikipedia just now and it says uh the galactic center is the rotational center of the milky way it is 8122 plus or minus 31 parsecs away from earth in the directions of the constellations sagittarius Opiacus and Scorpius, where the Milky Way appears brightest, and it coincides with the compact radio source Sagittarius A. I, I think what he's trying to say is that our arm is wobbling above and below the plane of the ecliptic, maybe, or that every twenty six thousand years somehow our portion of our arm of the Milky Way wobbles through the the plane of the. Gla- I don't know. It sounds dumb, and it's not true, but it's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so as we line up with the Galactic Center or mm-hmm. enter the Galactic Center, which just so happens, it just so happens to be happening right now, maybe that's going to light up our antennas that we've definitely proven are there. Like literally light up? Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll glow. We'll glow, we'll glow. Like, um, like radium 
painters like who would like they would paint the dials of the faces of the uh, clock and then yeah. paint their own face. And, okay, so none of this is helping me though. I want I wanted red meat on the Anunnaki, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So that's what we're here for. Not how they invented humans. Who the hell are they? So it's time for Carrie to flex some of her epic knowledge and take notice, uh, not just of what Carrie has to say about more gold and magic and stuff, but more importantly, how does Gerald engage with Carrie's expertise? So that's that's one thing I'm I'm interested in here. Well, um, but what the interesting thing, and it's too bad you haven't gone down there because what you can find out is uh, also the use of sound, the fact that the the kinds of stones they constructed the circles uh, with uh, ring like bells, as Michael would say. Uh-huh. And um, I've done a documentary with Michael down in in South Africa. I've been down there, I think, three or four times now. And I'm an earth sensitive uh, and I'm able to feel energies and vortexes, etc. And I can tell you that the energies are very p- strong and powerful. And this is another thing that would affect the uh, so-called, you know, Adamu or gold, gold mining uh, beings that they were trying to mind control. Because, gold, first of all, you're in the presence of a lot of gold in this place and gold is a, is a conductor and also uh can also transfigure um well it's actually can create a portal into the other dimensions but portal. aside from that it's also used in space travel as right? the secret space program knows very well right and space um, on top yeah. of it, it it can so you're talking about people you know not only being brain you know washed or brain or, or, or mind control, but they're in an environment where this can be actually um, augmented or escalated. It's possible, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Well, it sounds like you're, <coughs> excuse me, uh, interested in how they're, they possibly use gold monoatomically. Well, uh, it's not just monoatomically. <laughs> talking about a mineral in the ground in the area, you know, a concentration so you're talking oh, about sure. a, a very rich area where it's actually, well, you know, in in the actual electromagnetic environment in which they exist. Right. Well, there, I've been to places like that, places that have a high energy, like Sedona, and there were places in Hawaii that were just off the off the matrix. Yeah. So to answer your earlier question, I did start doing yoga. And- <laughs> <laughs> interested in something i might know three words no that's not what you were talking about well to answer your earlier question i yeah i I did yoga (laughs) i did yoga um (laughs) the fuck so um so so we know who they are who 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 are they who the the anunnaki right that's what we're still talking yeah yeah we're still talking okay so we know who they are so we know we know what they do but i want to know how are they how are they? How are they? How are, are they, they doing? Um, yeah, that's a that's an important question, and um, you know, I'm really concerned. Um, there's without you know, us be, mining the gold for them, yeah. uh, for their planet. I think um, it could be why their planet is so dark, right? Because we okay. know that Nibiru is basically invisible, except when uh, people with very small telescopes take pictures of it and then say this is a picture of Nibiru. But other like real big telescopes and things can't see it only mm-hmm. only uh, people who have little ones and are hobbyists and stuff 
Like, right. Or, or Photoshop, Photoshop is a good way to see Nibiru. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll help you enhance an image so that you right. can see it. Right. Okay. All this is just, like, really, like, <clears throat> okay, so darkness. Okay. So a lot of this has to do with, like, sort of like darkness. I imagine that um, uh, Carrie and Gerald, too, live in constant darkness. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how else they wouldn't be able to see the holes in this stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> so um gerald has to interrupt this to now talk a whole bunch more about rolfing blah and uh thankfully uh, carrie is here for us carrie is actually going is, uh, to, to push back against his relentless structural integration shit uh, rolfing does rolfing have anything to do with uh stefan molyneux's defoofing it does not. Okay. Uh, well, all right. Well, then I'm, right. so, I'm, I'm ready then. So uh, all of your connective tissue interacts with gravity. Uh-huh. So if you line your body up by by massage and, and yoga or whatever, and, and secrets that only people that you pay money can tell can do for you, then you can, uh, you can learn to line yourself up with the planet and um, make yourself a better antenna or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are one with the planet. It's kind of like the concept of grounding, which is very common in metaphysical circles and and uh neo wiccan faiths and stuff like that just the idea of making yourself one with the earth but one. it's got a bunch of like techno babble around it so it's more expensive it's more expensive yeah. okay yeah. but he he wants uh he wants to talk about that and carrie does not you can take it from me you won't spend better money on your on your human antenna Okay. Um, well, acupuncture also works very well as well, as well as, uh, well, there's all kinds of, uh, hands-on treatments that, that, uh, various Chinese, uh, practitioners use, uh, to, to, uh, affect the body. Uh, so, but moving along that line, uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, your thing isn't the only cool thing. I've heard of other things and Chinese people do it. Um, a- acupuncture, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I did not realize that what acupuncture was for. I thought it was for like pinhead cosplay. <laughs> uh, all, right, all right, so so uh, let's <laughs> realize please. it was uh, you know being one with the earth. <laughs> Do you have any orbs or crystals I can purchase, Carrie? All right. Um, so it's like. It's like 40 minutes into our video, into our sound here, and 40 minutes into their video. It's been all that, like, tons of that for 40 minutes. So let's please yeah. finally fucking get to talking about Anunnaki secrets or something, right? Yeah, you know, I don't think they ever will. They they don't seem to be talking about the same thing. Um, one, one's kind of like a... Like a I, I'm struggling with the words here, although what I'm trying to say is, like, not that complicated. Um... Man, but it it sounds like it it it, it sounds like he he was a uh, one of those like uh, dipshits like you'd find at like I don't know like maybe he had like a older sibling or something and like he you you know you asked him one day it's like hey I need booze and like um you know you go over to this like weird guy like weird guy's house and he's like in his basement like doing DMT all day <laughs> yeah listen to this shit before he'll give it to you <laughs> and her you know. You know, and 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 her, you know, it's like uh, I I don't know what, but like uh, she she reminds me of uh, of someone um, that um, is it Marianne Williamson? 
Yeah, Marianne Williamson would be like the uh, you know what I like about Marianne Williamson is like you know she <laughs> she uses like her kookiness to like give out like positive like positive positive vibes and yeah. um hey, everybody be cool hey everybody be cool um we'll I... defeat like the world with like love and and orbs and crystals whereas uh, she is like uh you know, covering up, you know, her lack of knowledge on anything, really, by misappropriating, um, you know, very, like, cultural sort of, like, staples, like, you know, acupuncture and what have you, and uh, other, like, Chinese, like, mysticism, like, bullshit, stuff like that. That's a, that's a very apt sort of summary of, of what we're looking at here, yeah. but I, I, they did finally do it, though. They did talk They about finally it, did it. A little this, bit. The poor man, Marianne Williamson, and poor man's Joe Rogan finally did it. <laughs> they did, uh, at least somewhat. So it gave us some, some meat to chew on here. All right. Humans have been mind-controlled since the beginning, and that, in fact, maybe that's part of our, um, at least our interactions with the Anunnaki, and uh, the intervention of the Anunnaki on uh, the human genome. Mm. Now, I understand that you may not know or even be interested in all the various other <laughs> races that have been influenced and impacted our genome up to now, but uh, I can say that certainly the Anunnaki is a very, very important point in our history, and um, and so this is key information. So. Uh- I, I, I don't know if you know or care about how much more I know than you about this, but uh-huh. uh, we're basically tinker toys for aliens. They don't seem to have any idea what they're talking about, like, when they're talking to each other. Like, one is not communicating w- to the other? Yeah, one yeah. is not. It's like, if, well, it's I, I don't like, know, like, you like bring up a, a topic and I'll try and respond the way they're talking. Um. So... It's the the cats have an emotional experience that is so obvious from what you see in their eyes. And you can see the eyes of the cats tell you what they are thinking. Right. Okay. But, um, um, yeah, but see, I was doing yoga the other day and, um, and, and while I was, uh, you know, doing my uh, daily dose of, uh, uh, LSD, uh, Spliff and uh, Advil. I don't know. Um, you know that I that I've uh, you know perfectly calculated right, to receive right. like maximum like you know enlightenment because I'm a sure. scientist of some sort. I think. Sure. Um, I um, can tell you that cats are just a figment of uh, your imagination. Well, you see, the cats they stretch their own bodies in a way that is very much like yoga, and we emulate the cat and its divine enlightenment in the yoga that we do. I mean, wouldn't you think? I mean, don't you agree? Well, with the mixture that I took, um, <laughs> I have uh, found out that um, that uh, ferrets are are. Uh, are a thing they exist Uh, oh but cats so what you're saying though is that ferrets are real but cats are not real is is that what i'm hearing you say um because i i want you to know that like there's a cat sitting on you like right now i believe uh if you if you really do a deep dive into the into what heraclitus had to say about anything um (laughs) you will realize that paper is uh a distraction (laughs) <laughs> from everything and anything I can't um, I realized this when I was uh, you know 
trying to, uh, when I was arguing with the manager of my local Burger King, I was uh, two pennies short buying my uh, Whopper Junior with uh, no pickles. I don't like pickles. And um, it was then that I realized that what Heraclitus had to say, um, you know, you know, take my word for it. I have read Heraclitus. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you have way more of your energy than I have of mine. You hit maximum kundalini points, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went clear. Oh my gosh. Uh, Praise Lord Zenu. Well, for Carrie, it's super important to always make clear that, that she's the real expert about whatever it is they're talking about. Like, if you're talking past her and she's talking past you, the most important thing her viewers need to know is that she's the boss and that she knows everything and that she is in charge of this reality. So, uh... What I'd like you to do is also talk about, like, how your synthesis, uh, you know, your conclusions that you reach, because some of your conclusions I I agree with, and some of them I'm not so sure about. (laughs) And, you know, this is a, a, a topic that, needs a lot of investigation and still an open subject. <laughs> Can you imagine like the, your life's work and this lady comes in and is like, I have some doubts. <laughs> <laughs> so so you may not, not know, you may not know it's anything. It's a highway and, to existential and crisis. I probably didn't actually read your awesome book, so just tell me about what's in it uh, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Uh, so he needs to talk about his expertise here. Okay. Um, so, so bring it back, Gerald. All right, come on, Gerald. Let's prove yourself to us here, and uh, let's have it. But can you talk about some of the conclusions that you had that went against the grain, so to speak. Okay, controversy. Sure. Well, first of all, I started noticing from the Atrahasis and the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Enuma Elish and all these documents. There's a set of players. Documents. Okay? And there are key players, and then there's some more minor players. So some of the key players uh, turned out to really challenge my belief systems, my religious belief systems as I was growing up. And, you know, and, and I, you don't even realize how strong they still are until they're challenged in this way, in this particular way for me. OK. And, I, you know, I was uh, I've always been a truth seeker and I've looked and I've always been open. <laughs> to I have to pause. I've, I have to pause. <laughs> I've always been a truth seeker. So, yeah, it's super important that, that he seeks the truth. Whew. All right. So um, the, he read the Atrahesis, the Epic of Gildramesh. He named one other source. And those are documents. Those are documents. So documents. he's got the okay. documents. Now, we read all the way through the Epic of Atrahesis. So we know exactly what he's, what he's going to say here because we read it. We know what he's going to understand from those documents. And we know that the things about this narrative that are present in the Atrahesis are present in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which informs the interpretation of the Atrahesis. Therefore, he's talking about more of the same story, the same story that we have recounted of the higher gods, lower gods doing all the work. They say that sucks. Make man to do all the hard work. Then we, uh, then there are too many people um, because we didn't implement enough controls. And so we wipe them out and say, be less, have fewer. Mm-hmm. That's the story. And Jeremy Corbyn ruined everything. Yeah, it right. was... Yeah, well, you're getting, like, spoilers. Oh, my God. Did I just spoil it, Jeremy? Oh, no. well, okay. Wait, well, Jeremy Corbin really has to do with this? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Gerald continues. They still are until 
they're challenged in this way, in this particular way for me. Okay. And I, you know, I was, uh, I've always been a truth seeker and I've looked and I've always been open to synthesizing information from any source. And, uh, Obvious. That said, uh, open, 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 uh, open. Probably the most controversial thing for me in the very beginning was finding out that Allah is referenced in the Atrahasis as leading the rebellion of these workers on behalf of the Anunnaki. And I asked myself, in my first book, could that Allah be the same one who's the Allah behind the, the religion of Islam? It, it uh, he's, uh, the, the translation from ancient text to modern Latin script uh, transliterates that as a l a and it is one of many names referenced in there um it is a sound but but what if what okay but what if all right this is you know i start synthesizing all these different names into relationships and, and countries as well so that was the first one and then come to find out that the god of abraham isaac and jacob is from the city of ur where he was headquartered and sent abram out via Haran to take over the Levant with uh, the promise that they were going to be given this land of milk and honey, right? In the Bible, <laughs> right? So, uh, funny. so that was the other one for me is when I started digging into the city of Ur, which uh, turns digging. out to be a very important uh, pre-diluvial city for the Anunnaki. There was Nippur and Ur and Uruk and Bad Tabira and Sharupak and all these major cities. And, and some <laughs> of them have been found with, with uh, researches and a ridu can't leave a ridu out so i he, found out you know so many names Ur, that abram's father and i actually went and got a book on abraham just to a, study this from, a book uh, various religious standpoints and doctoral standpoints when i found out that abram's father was serving the deity in the city of ur i was like wait a second that's the city where enlil is how can that be right so all of a sudden i found out that enlil was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he had lots of other names, whether it was El Shaddai or Yahweh or Jehovah. They were all the same name, okay? My head almost spun off when I realized that. (laughs) Do you realize the impact of finding out who that being is? He's the one who shows up in the Old Testament that they call God in Genesis 1, 18, let us create man in our image and our likeness. It's him. Well, okay. It's him. Oh my gosh. Did... Did you know, did you know that our Bible is derived from the works of tribal deities from a time of polytheistic belief structures? That there are even stories about God that don't point out how there are other stories about God? Well, Anna, when you put it like that, this all sounds silly. <laughs> so, but, but Carrie, Carrie, what if your viewers aren't happy about what he just said? What if your viewers are kind of like really into angels and religion and stuff and don't want to necessarily hear that? I mean, that would be bad. Yeah, right? and I have to say, though, that uh, there will be people that disagree with you. So. <laughs> well, they disagree with uh, stone in museums. He's so condescending. Putting it in there, right? Yes, and um, 
Okay. Mm. It's, it's in museums. I mean, it's just the facts. It's just the facts. It's just the documents. I just read the documents. I mean, it's just the documents. God, <laughs> I didn't think uh, History Channel correspondents disagreeing with each other would be, uh, <laughs> be a goldmine in comedy. Although, when I say it out loud, it sounds very obvious. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, this descends into this big talk about how important it was for us to go take over Iraq. Uh, that's quite a jump yeah so there were wars you're missing a few chapters there right there are wars and portals and a bunch of gibberish and this goes on and fucking on but there you have it like the big fancy reveal gods are all named the same thing remember dr brain smart word good and his secret code language this is something from another uh, knowledge fight gary cassidy day where there's this guy who explains how some words sound like other words in other languages and those words are related and it's a secret code and he knows that for sure because he has a telescope or something i I actually got into trouble in class and this is not a good story you could probably just cut this (laughs) but um when i was in class uh after my trip in tokyo a while i was in tokyo i like there's a there's a whole like block of just turkish grills in tokyo and I thought, that's interesting. I didn't think that I would see this. Um, a Just a whole block of Turkish restaurants, although... All together sit, in one place? All together, one place, just one right next to each other, but, you know... Um, Some competition. But, you know, then again, it's it's a city of like 35 million, so... And it's, it's very big, it's so... Holy crap. Yeah, it's huge, so, you know, expect... So, like, one block of Turkish restaurants, just Turkish restaurants, Turkish grills, doesn't sound so uh, crazy. So this this really is not a good story. Now that I'm realizing it, but I'll, I'll finish yeah. it anyway. Okay, I've started okay, it. we'll see. If it, yeah, um, see how you do. So uh, my professor actually is Turkish, and I, I went up to her and I said, "Hey, guess what I saw in Tokyo? Because you're Turkish, I saw a bunch of Turkish things, Turkish grills, all called like, and they were all, and the Japanese word for grill or something like it is called yaki." And she's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, did you know that, like, in Turkish, like, yaki, like, also means grill? And um, I don't remember what I said next, but then afterwards, she got really upset and said, you realize that the Turkish word for grill is not Japanese in origin. And turned away, and that's how I started my day. That's it. That's oh, it's a, a, no, it is it's is relevant. It's that... Uh... The, that guy took um, the, this other professor whose name I can't remember, but uh-huh. um, he took a coincidences exactly like that uh, that also exist with words like dog. Dog. Or the fact that dog and God, like dog is God spelled backwards. And in other languages, the word for dog is also palindrome to the a word for something sacred. You see, that was a lot more interesting than what I just said. Uh, but for, for grill and grill to be the same, then... Uh, mm-hmm. That would be part of a secret code, a secret code implanted in our DNA by the aliens. Um, oh, that, oh, this this is more alien proof. Yes, yes. Oh, I didn't so know that. So there's like a secret master alien thing that you can tell because there are coincidences in the study of linguistics. It was super dumb and very funny. Uh, and he's not a linguist. He's a, a theology professor of some sort. Or of something. some sort? Okay. Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, it's... um. Super is he, uh, unfortunate. Is he one of those guys that like 
got his PhD from like an online like factory where they do nothing but hand out PhDs. That is online. a really common theme mm-hmm. on guests of both Carrie Cassidy and Alex Jones, <clears throat> so it's possible. Oh, I uh, see. All right. Um, like, see, I'd like to do that bills. just so I could put PhD in my Twitter handle. You know, sure. So. We can get the blue check. Get so the blue check so people can finally ahead. take me seriously. Oh, this is so sad. <laughs> all right. Anyway, where were we? So the big fancy reveal that gods are all that gods are named the same thing, and Allah is a different god than Jehovah, and words mean nothing, and everything is dumb, and it's all the Anunnaki. So anything anyone ever called a god is probably uh, a an, an Anunnaki, and and they all came here to this planet to mind control us, to mine gold for them, because the Gigi sucked and they needed new meat tools. Uh, there's loads of detail in here, but I, I kind of want to summarize it instead of making you listen to too much more of it. There, there are like great snippets, though. Like uh, Saddam Hussein thought that he was opening portals to the Anunnaki, and he thought that he was Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated, and Baghdad is the city of Ur. Um, so there, that we had to go to Iraq. We had to invade Iraq because Saddam Hussein wanted to open these portals. And that's the reason that the justification for war in Iraq was fake and bad, even though that was discovered later that it was fake and bad, was because they were faking a cover for the real reason, which was the portals that he was trying to open to Nibiru with gold in the city of Ur so that he could bring forth the Anunnaki to re-enslave humanity because... Yeah, so the war in Iraq was good and cool, and we had to go, and anyone who did is a hero. You know, they should have went with that. Should have just told the truth instead of, like, the whole WMD business. I mean, yeah, America really, gets really behind, I mean, like, of, you, um, know, <coughs> you know, now we're so treating aliens badly. So. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, um, all the Anunnaki, uh, they live on Nibiru, and... They drew lots about who would come to this planet. Like they had a they had a contest and whoever drew the short straw came here or something. Or I don't know, was it good or bad to come here? It's unclear. But Enlil, who Gerald says is claiming the title of God in the Old Testament, ordered a genocide in the Levant at the hands of Abraham. And Enlil really actually is a big fat jerk. So, so what's amazing is that when Gerald picked uh, a pretty villainous guy mm-hmm. to play the job of God in all modern religions, right? He then has to come to grips with the fact that all the world's major religions are worshiping a kind of rotten dude. I mean, wow! Like, like how could how could you figure this out? I mean, like he he says that God is Enlil. And Enlil. right, so he figured that out. He's like, "Oh, Enlil, Enlil must be the biblical god." And but Enlil's a jerk, so the biblical <laughs> god is a jerk. Oh my god, everybody's worshiping a jerk, a jerk, and he cares a lot. He cares a lot about this. I mean, he will tell you how important this is. Um, this thing that he invented and then denounced. One of the Anunnaki came here, he had a mission to get resources, he imposed himself as God and started laying out the law for, okay, you Jewish people, you got to follow the law or I'm going to kill you. And he was the God of wrath and vengeance for them, and he still is. Why would you have a fear of your creator? Think about that. Okay? That was number one. Okay? And 
then you see Nanar Sin, the crescent moon god, showing up as the god of Islam. And now, if you go to the second dynasty of Ur, that same city, in the Lamentations of Ur that I put in my second book, Enlil and his father, Anu, met on a council and decided to nuke that city with all the inhabitants inside. Is that your god? I'm going to lay it down right now. Is that your god, people that are going after me? I'm telling you what, if that's it, go along with him and see what happens. Okay, well, let me, let me let me throw something out here. <laughs> this guy has the energy of a Starbucks playing the Hamilton soundtrack. He's just, you, you're trying. You, you, you just, you're just not doing it. People coming after me? Okay, yeah, because yeah, cause I wrote about secret things that your God did, that I say that he did, and you worship that guy that I say did bad things. What do you have to say about that, huh? Huh? I also really love Car- Carrie at the end there. She's sort of like, <laughs> uh, right there at the end. Even Carrie can't handle this. Yeah, so they, they... It's crazy for Carrie. Right. So then they argue about some theology, and and Carrie makes sure he knows all about how the Anunnaki venerate a creator and know that they aren't gods but pretended to be, and how the Bible is all screwed up and references like big C creator versus little C creator as the same thing and it's a big mess but they figured it out and they can read it as they like so it's all it's still pretty much true or something something and and they categorize all these little details like which category of angelic being or pseudo angelic being gets associated with which part of the Anunnaki narrative it's all very amusing and then they clap each other on the back metaphorically for both knowing about all these bad guy aliens because they both read Zachariah Sitchin or Dan Brown or James Redding Celestine Prophecy instead of attempting at any point to read One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish which provides all the resources a growing child needs to apply logic to the universe to love diversity (laughs) and to be sincerely inquisitive (laughs) fight me no no I agree with you no need to fight right alright they do quite a big jump so uh it's like how most people when they create like like most aspiring like writers like it's like oh i got an idea for beginning i got an idea for the end but they can never figure out like the middle like these people have somehow made like a little career if you could call it that oh god the system works (laughs) y'all most of their conversation most of their conversation goes like this okay who did the genetic modification who was actually had their hands on we didn't talk about anki who was the geneticist that actually did the the in, in, the in vitro fertilization into his half sister nen hartzog who was the medical officer in the city of Shurupak where noah was the king now i'm synthesizing wow you something who would buy into this bronze age tale of <laughs> incest and murder so so Baal is Marduk and there are some fancy internal politics and the whole history of antiquity in the Middle East is a crazy science fiction story about magical beings who are all pretty much the same thing because they're foreign and they're strange ideas but those foreign and strange ideas are actually just facets of our own story our own history uh-huh. and we own it and we can contextualize it as our own property like because we don't have to understand ball and stuff ball marduk I, I believe those are names and very and two blizzard properties like activision blizzard like sure. War, warcraft and diablo yeah yeah bale certainly appears somewhere and marduk um i don't know it's a good it's a good bad guy name right like marduk mar marmaduke 
Marmaduke. There's yeah. Okay. Um, the, the the super popular beloved uh, comic strip Marmaduke. And well, it's interesting that you the you hit sort of movie to boot hone in on on like the names of the gods here uh, because uh, Gerald needs to tell you about how gods are named. There's a naming process. I can't get used to this with the Anunnaki. They lived a very long time. They were in dang near every culture. If you dig into it, you'll find out who their gods were. It was the Anunnaki or their offspring. <laughs> so the fact that their name would show up in one culture and then be called another name in another culture, to us, you know, that's like impossible. But to them, they did it all the time. So so you see, like one being has a, a name, and, and then if you go somewhere else, they describe a different being with a different name, but it's actually... The same being with now, and hold on here, and with two different names, and like wait, they're actually just the the same guy, this the same being, like it's so impossible. But like, can you can you grasp? Can you wrap your head head around that idea that the that like a thing could be in one place and have one name and then be really old and go somewhere else and then be different and be called a different name, but actually be the same guy. You know, I actually think there is a uh, there is a use for this stuff. Yeah, like a, a like a, a practical use, even um, not exactly world changing, but I think really convenient. So this is what I would like the the, the listeners to try. I'm going to try it myself. Okay. So when you're going out to visit other countries, and um, you've somehow um, and and you like you're you're going to an, you're in another country and and you've forgotten your passport, so. Instead of explaining, um, you know, I don't have my passport, why don't you just try talking all the things he just said to the to the customs agent or whatever, or the people at the airport, uh-huh. and see how long it'll take until they just, like, get enough of it. Or, let's say you forgot your, like, your cash or your debit card at a restaurant, okay. and your server comes, and the check comes. And so, and so you just keep talking about this. Until, until they want you to leave so badly. Until they badly. want you to leave badly, yeah. Yeah, the, so the, the affluency that, that I in think bullshit of, yes. as, as a, just a skill for uh, doing the spaceman farewell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Away from a conversation. You'd be like, ah! Yeah, I want, I want to try that, actually. I, I think it could work. See how many free lunches you can get by being in, intolerable? Yeah, I'm actually going to try that. Um, okay. I'm going to try it my parents, actually. Yeah, I yeah test it on, test it on people. Like, you I know gotta, love like, I got to go, Mom. Like, can you hurry this up? You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, the Anunnaki. Um, when, ready. Uh, when I'm on the phone with my mother, mm-hmm. uh, who I love and treasure and who also believes in aliens, I will find a point where I kind of want to get off the phone. And she, yeah, me too. So I, I start talking about what i'm looking at like the especially the dog like the dog is doing this and the cat is doing that Mm -hmm. and the dog is doing this and the cat is doing that just as sort of like banal nothing conversation but the problem is my mom loves it oh no and she comes right back with well the cat is doing this and i have 700 stories about every cat in town and the raccoons and the squirrels and have you heard about all the other animals that exist i mean so it's impossible and eventually i just have to say so i'm gonna go uh, yeah, getting off the phone with my mom is tough. Yeah. Well, it's almost like getting to like the uh, the heart of what you're saying is like, you know, um, I, I don't know, it's something. There's something or, about or it. Something there. There's something there. You know. <laughs> I'm glad. 
<laughs> well, um, we're we're down to we're down to our last clip. Here. Oh, great! Uh, the very last one. So, um, this is this is how we should understand all religions are connected to one group, one single group of beings, like you mentioned before. Uh-huh. They're all connected to one group of beings. Although a lot of people don't want to believe that, but uh, the Anunnaki and the Elohim describe them physically. Well, um, I don't have to go very hard to do that because they left statues and images of themselves agree, all over the planet. So they, they look like the archetype of male and female generally. Um, right. They seem to be taller than humans by a couple of feet <laughs> in some cases, some cases more. Uh, they're generally white-skinned, blue-eyed, uh, it, which I found very interesting because this came from the book and of the men had been- there you have it. A couple of feet, maybe even more. Three feet, four feet, dare okay. we dream. There you have it. All gods are the same gods, and we can understand those gods without learning about other cultures at all because we just dismiss their narrative and impose ours over top theirs and steal the name of their gods. And most importantly, those gods are white. Those gods are white, and they have blue eyes. And that's the thing that... All cultures throughout history have always worshipped these tall, white, blue-eyed beings from beyond who are the greatest. Or or at least the most powerful. We don't like the Anunnaki, but the Anunnaki are all over the place. Now, Carrie would argue that there are tons of other revered beings out there that are better than the, some better than the Anunnaki, some less genocidal or whatever. But She's all, just, you know, yeah, all gods are white. Just meeting an obligated diversity quota that she yeah, made up, yeah, you know, yeah. just to appear, you know, multicultural. Yeah, like, you know, so. <laughs> there's a there's a lot going on there. But yeah, so yeah, uh, all gods are go- all gods are white. Uh, they're they're all white. That's how <clears throat> that's how you should understand all cultural history. Is the gods are white? So. All gods are white. Ta da. <laughs> And if they aren't, oh boy, uh, lock in, get ready, buckle in oh, for the nightmare ride that's impending. I also that love that some of them are a little bit taller than us, and some of them are a lot taller of us, and you can tell because they left statues of themselves, and some of the statues are taller than other statues. I, they're white because the paint is gone because they're old. <laughs> like that's why the statue's white because the rock was white. They made it out of white rock, and ta-da. Monuments and uh, oh, such, yeah. they're, they're all colorblind. They all, you know. Yeah, they're just white. Mm-hmm. White, white, white. White. White, <laughs> white, white, white. All right, so what do you think? Do you feel educated? Um, I'm still trying to process everything. I'm not exactly sure if I really comprehended um, any of that. So, you know, this was just like... Uh, Huge this, waste this, of this time. Was, this was just another weekday for me, um, you know, so... <laughs> You know, uh, so uh, if if somebody said, "Hey, what's an Anunnaki?" Could you answer that question? Um, I think so. I'm not going to answer it right now. I'll, okay, uh, you uh, but, think uh, about it some more. Still on it. Uh, yeah. So okay. So the Anunnaki. All right. Which okay. Now, now you. They uh, live okay. on planet Nibiru. The, the, the planet live on planet Naboo. Okay, right. and, uh, that's the planet X that inter, that people always say is going to come smack the Earth or whatever. Come out of the dark planet from the come out of the dark. dark you know, planet. you know. There's. Have uh-huh. you ever heard that? Like the apocalypse, another planet, planet X or whatever is going to come in and smash us or something. You hear? Do you remember that? Twenty twelve. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, no, I, 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 I didn't hear it. Um, when they were talking about the Anunnaki and like the yeah. gold thing, there yeah. was this sort of, um, there, there was a, there, I, I don't know if it was just like you know, um, the fact that these, that these people are obviously like you know, um, maybe maybe a little maybe a little racist. Um, yeah. Um, they were also possibly anti-Semitic because of the thing about hoarding like gold thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't want to like quite say it because I didn't want to appear anti-Semitic, but I think it, it, it sounds very anti-Semitic. It's a little bit, and and that does come up more yeah. so in other places. Um, yeah. In in Carrie's narratives, at the right. very least, and I, his yeah. hatred of um, they're, they're the after the gold and Jewish controlling religion, uh-huh. like the Jewish people were just the slaves of Enlil, mm-hmm. and Enlil was mean and used a nuclear weapon, which he can clearly tell, as we know mm-hmm. from the Epic of Atrahesis, that nuclear weapons were deployed against the people of Levant, um, and which I'm sure that you can see demonstrated by the landscape of the Levant today, that the, the nuclear weapons were detonated there to destroy the civilization. Right, I'm and sure. then uh, yeah. we, we broke free of the, uh, of, of the Jewish control of like the, the media and their hoarding of gold, right. too. Again, that's that's just and, what this sounds like. And we're awakening. We're, uh-huh. we're coming to this new reality. Right. Okay. Um, and becoming psychic mm-hmm. and stuff, which proves everything. Right. We're defeating the... Oh, boy. It's <laughs> a I mess. Won't go, I won't go a, down there anymore. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So, uh, this, yeah, it's, it's a big fucking mess. But at least if say Anunnaki come up somewhere else we know something about Anunnaki so then maybe if we look at another alien we could relate it to the Anunnaki who have clearly been set up as bad guys mm-hmm. and broadly are considered to be like mind control enthusiasts but something he doesn't really get into as much that I think he could have gotten into is that the Epic of Atrahesis clearly shows these footprints for population control that the globalist narratives often, they're like, they want to kill your babies and take your babies and and mm-hmm. destroy you and control how much you can breed. And it's all part of this big plan to all to eliminate all but the breakaway civilization of humanity and that like a tiny amount will be left, like a recapitulation of the flood which is not stated as such, but very much has that feeling in it uh, when people uh, talk about globalist conspiracy theories, a la Alex Jones. So, but that's, that's also to be found like in, in these old texts, the, mm-hmm. oh, they say, oh, look, DNA modification. Oh, look, uh, 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 child mortality, the woman stealing the baby. They want to kill babies. They want to destroy babies. Uh, they want to destroy breeding. They want to ruin the family. They're bad guys. Those aliens, the things that they want aliens. to do. Uh-huh. Hey, have you ever noticed what the left does? They want to kill the babies and take away the babies and have them not breed. Women not breed. Destroy the family. Enslave and mind control the population by forcing them to not talk about the race. Do you think that the left might be? Mind controlled by the Anunnaki. No, the left are controlled by the Jews. Are they? Oh, well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, there is that. There is that. Send but me my check, George Soros. That's right. Actually, it's unfortunate because you just stole a line from like a paragraph and a half from here, but I wanted to say uh, this has been our data kerfuffle. Uh, thank you for listening. 
So I took free music from the internet called Unknown Energy by the artist Docs, which is from freestockmusic.com. And I welcome and encourage anybody who loves things that are good to like and subscribe to the podcast Knowledge Fight, which is the best podcast in the world on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. They have a website, etc., etc., etc. So I am in the process of getting RSS approval from iTunes for my own feed if you like listening to my random nonsense. So there may soon be an easy way for you to do so. And you can find me on Patreon, where I am Veritopathy, which is V-E-R-I-T-O-P-A-T-H-Y, in case you are George Soros. So, uh, Tom, do you have any plugs or anything you, you want to say? Damn, I didn't prepare anything to plug. No, you don't have to plug no, anything. I have no to. plugs. Yeah. Uh, in the future, maybe someday you could plug a plug. One day, when I will free. come back yeah. and I will plug something. All right. Love to the wonks, power to the technocrats. Peace out.